This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Well, good morning. I was a little slower this morning. So excited to be with you today as we start our summer series, Summer at the River, where we're talking about how you can have your best summer ever. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Somebody, does anybody, do you want to have a good summer? Do you want to enjoy your life? Enjoy your summer? All right. Before we begin, I I want you guys to do something for me real quick. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you look better than I remember. And some of us just found out what place we're at because some of us didn't even get looked at, right? You're like, <laughs> All right, so I I love summer, especially as a kid. I love summer. As as many of you noticed this morning, this is my summer shirt that I'm wearing. I went and got the shirt just for for summer because I wanted to feel summery this morning. And so I love summer. I remember thinking, uh, remember summers as a kid. You guys remember growing up and just what summer was like? It was awesome, wasn't it? It was amazing. Like, I would think of summer as a kid, and there was no school. There was staying up late. There was sleepovers with friends. There was uh, going to the swimming pool or, or the lake or the ocean, whatever it was. Like, I, I think of when I think of summer, I, like, hear the sound of fireworks. I smell, like, freshly cut grass. Anybody? Yeah? I think of growing up, going to uh, my grandparents' house in Mississippi and, and Tennessee, and we would ride four-wheelers all over the place, and we'd always play like a summer baseball game and eat some good Tennessee barbecue, and it was just great. But then something happened. Like Peter Pan, I grew up. And for some reason, as an adult, summer feels a little bit different, doesn't it? Like these expectations as a kid that that it would be awesome and it would be fun and it would be all these things. But as an adult, I think of summer and I think of like a hundred million degrees outside. Anybody? I think of my AC bill rocketing through the roof, right? Like, like it's, it's 3000 degrees outside. Katie, turn off the AC. Our children are dehydrated. I don't care. Right. (laughs) I think of no school, like, oh no, there's going to be kids all over my neighborhood. (laughs) I think of the smell of freshly cut grass, and it reminds me that I need to cut my grass. I hear fireworks, and I think, don't they know that people have to work? With that outlook, the summer of joy really has no joy at all, does it? And I think that sometimes, as adults, what happens is the joy doesn't just get sucked out of summer, but I think sometimes the joy gets sucked out of life, right? And so there's this thing that happens when you grow up. You have things like responsibilities and bills and stress. And, and, and it's, so it's not just like the summer of no joy, but for some of us over time, it becomes a life of no joy. And so as I was kind of meditating on our summer series this week, how you can have the best summer ever, I, I started really thinking about this idea of joy and I was kind of looking it up in the scriptures and and looking for what the Bible says about joy and what that should look like for us as Christians. And and really, there's this weird thing that happens when when you read the Bible. And I, I was beginning to understand that I think that, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but you have to wait till after church because I have the microphone, so you got to wait at least 30 minutes. <laughs> I think that 
for some reason, I, I just I feel like the Christian life is supposed to be a life of joy. I don't think it's supposed to be this thing where we get the joy sucked out of us as we live life and we get beat up and things get happen. And, and I'm not saying that as Christians, Christian adults, we shouldn't have those things happen. I mean, we don't want those things to happen to us, but, but they're going to happen to everybody. Bills, stress, sickness, bad things happen to everybody. Not always in an equal share, but they do happen to everybody. But what is like, what is it or why is it that the Christian should have joy or can we have joy through that? When I was reading the scriptures, I, I was just thinking, yeah, it seems like we're supposed to. Like I was reading Psalm 41. It says, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with a jubilant cry. That seems joyful. It says Ecclesiastes 9.7, go eat your bread with pleasure and drink your wine with a cheerful heart. Proverbs 10.28, the hope of the righteous is, let's try this again. It's on there. Okay. The hope of the righteous is joy. There you go. But the expectations of the wicked comes to nothing. The hope of the righteous is joy. And so it seems like joy should be a part of the Christian experience in good times, but not just in good times, but in the difficult times as well. And as I was kind of studying this, what I'm realizing is really the determining factor of true joy is going to have everything to do with what the source of our joy is. The determining factor of, if you take notes, this would be a good one to write down. The determining factor of true joy is going to have everything to do with the source of what our joy is. Because when we look at the scriptures, we often see stories of people having joy in situations where we're going, what? What? Or, or even being told, people who don't have joy being told, hey, have joy, take heart, have courage, be, be of good cheer. Why? What? Like in situations that it wouldn't seem normal to us for people to have joy, we see people having joy and being told to live with joy. And, and it's so, and like, check this out, John 16, 33, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's telling them about a bunch of stuff that's about to happen to them. And he says this, things these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribu tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He tells them, be of good cheer, have peace. And we're thinking, awesome. That means Jesus probably just told them about some really great stuff that's going to happen, right? Like there's some miracles I'm about to do. There's going to be some really cool things that I'm about to do. But but that's that's actually not at all what he was talking to the disciples about. He's talking to them about his impending arrest, <laughs> his impending torture, and his impending crucifixion. Be of good cheer. Have peace. Like if you go back and read through the whole passage, which I would encourage you to do, he compares the pain that they're about to experience with a woman going through labor pains. I love my wife. I tell you one thing she was not looking forward to when she was pregnant. She wasn't like, yes, labor pains. And could you imagine if I told her, be of good cheer, honey? Y'all be looking at divorce, Pastor Mike. <laughs> I, I would be crazy if I told her that, right? Like, because what I don't want you to misunderstand here is I'm not talking about the fake joy, right? We know people with fake joy, right? Like, like the, I'm not talking about the fake cheer, like the crazy person joy where like the world's burning down around them. You're like, I'm great. Got Jesus. <laughs> so good. I'm not talking about that kind of joy. I'm talking about something deeper, not, not, not a fake put on joy, not a fake where we're pretending like we, where we lose our transparency, right? I'm a Christian supposed to pretend like I'm happy, so I'm going to 
That, that's not what I'm talking about either, but what Jesus is talking to the disciples about is this joy that is determined. It's in the Christian that is determined by more than just physical circumstances. He's telling them, hey, these bad things are about to happen. These bad things are about to get happen. You're going to get scattered to the ends of the earth. Like, I'm about to get crucified. Like, there's going to be some suffering for a while, but cheer up because the first half looks really bad, but the second half is going to go really well. The first half looks like it's going to be tough, but it's going to go really, what he's teaching them is your joy, Christian, is not going to be based on your situation because he tells them, I have overcome the situation. Your joy isn't going to be based on the circumstance because I'm about to conquer the circumstance. And he's going to tell us as, as people and as Christians that the worst thing you could experience in this life, he's about to defeat. And he's saying, the reason for my suffering, the reason for the suffering I'm about to walk through is so that eternity will be changed, so that sinners can find forgiveness, so that a relationship with God can be restored, so that you can have an abundant life and a joy in salvation that can be never ending. Y'all are catching on. And so he tells them, don't think about your, don't, don't be caught up in your present circumstance. Don't let it be the thing that controls you. Don't let it be the thing that owns you. But think with a long view. Think with eternity in mind. He says, I have overcome the world and these things are going to be temporary. Life can get in the way. Hard, bad things can happen and there will be suffering. But in the end, we can live with joy because Jesus has overcome the world, which means we live for something bigger than just the moment. And we understand that bad things are only temporary. And see, some of us, myself included in life, have said, I can live with joy. I can have joy. I can have happiness if X happens. I, I, can, I can be happy if X happens. What Jesus is telling the disciples is that your joy as a Christian, this deeper underlying thing, is not going to be based on an event, it shouldn't be based on a circumstance, but it should be based on Jesus. So he says, cheer up. In other translations, he says, have courage. Cheer up, because I have overcome the world. And, and I'm, this, I'm crazy and weird, but I think church should be a place of cheer too, don't you? I think church should be a place of excitement. We have, for those of you who've been taking our deeper class, we say we have four Sunday pillars. We want this to be a place of celebration. We come in here and we celebrate and worship God for all the amazing and awesome things that he does for us. We want this to be a place of inspiration where you get inspired to go out and fight the Christian fight, to live the Christian walk. We want it to be a place of preparation where we don't just pump you up, but we prepare you. And we want this to be a place of salvation, which brings it full circle because that's when we get to cheer and celebrate. I think church and joy should be connected. Sometimes that's not always feels like the case, right? Like I've been in churches where you just walk out and you're like, oh, I feel like a terrible, awful, oh, life stinks, I'm awful. But I think church should be a place of joy. And it's deeper because here's, here, here's what joy really is, I think. And this is another really good one to write down. I stole this from somebody so I can say that because I wrote it down. Joy is confidence that we possess by knowing and trusting God regardless of our circumstances. Joy is a confidence we possess by knowing and trusting in God, regardless of our circumstance. Our lives and our joy as Christians are based on the character, the nature, and the goodness of God. And so, yeah, there's, sometimes there's going to be things that happen that affect our mood. Sometimes there's going to be bad days that we have. Sometimes, I know you don't want to hear this, but there's going to be seasons of life that stink. And it's going to go on longer than we want sometimes. 
And sometimes we're going to walk through seasons of life where we go, when is this actually going to end? (laughs) But our joy as a Christian is a deeper confidence in God than in the events of our lives. It's a joy that says, I will not be captive or a slave to a situation because my confidence in God and his sovereignty is not captive to a circumstance or a situation. My confidence in God is deeper. And there's, there's going to be a lot of things in life that try to come in and steal and defeat and beat down this joy that we're supposed to live with as a Christian. And there are things that if we allow them in our lives for long, if we allow them to fester for long, they're going to destroy that joy that is supposed to be in the Christian life. And I call these things joy suckers. <laughs> this morning we had the kids in here when we were doing our preteen meeting. I was like, yeah, I'm talking about joy suckers today. And all the kids were like, suckers? We're getting suckers? <laughs> So I have no suckers for you, (laughs) sorry. But the first joy sucker that that I see in the Christian life is fear. Y'all know about that one. Fear causes us to lose our foundation and confidence in God. Fear causes us to stop trusting in God. Fear sucks the joy away from us. Another place I see in life that's a joy sucker, and we talked about this one a few weeks ago, is bitterness. Bitterness towards someone, you let it grow, you let it fester. And by the way, it's really a waste of your time because normally people who you're bitter towards don't even really know that you're bitter, right? Like you're thinking, I'm going to make them suffer. And they're like, hey, how's it going? You're like, suffer. Why aren't you suffering? <laughs> they don't know. They don't know. They don't know they should be. <laughs> so here's, here's what I'll say, and this is going to sound really mean, and I don't mean it this way, but I'm saying it because I care about you, is if you have this bitterness towards someone, it's just festering and it's sucking uh, the joy out of your life, you need to do one of two things. You either need to address them, talk to them about it, seek reconciliation, seek forgiveness, seek healing, or get over it. And I say that because if it's not big enough and important enough for you to talk to them and try to find healing, it's probably not really a them problem. It's probably more of a you petty problem. I know that sounds really mean. And here's what I would say. Maybe you're going, but Mike, I've talked to them and I've tried to seek healing. I've tried to seek forgiveness. Or you you don't know how big it is. You you, you don't know. It expands longer than you think. And there's some places that are really deep and I get that. And so you can throw out what I just said there. But here's what I would say. If if it's that, if it's that big, it's that deep and there's just never going to be healing or reconciliation, but you don't feel like you can get over it on your own. Number one, seek Jesus, go to Jesus, worship Jesus, pray to Jesus, ask Jesus to help you get the heck away from that person remove yourself from that person. And if that doesn't work, get counseling or therapy. It's not something to be ashamed of. That is a real thing that will be helpful to you. Don't let bitterness suck the joy out of your Christian walk. Do what's necessary to find healing. The third place we see that sucks the joy out of us is when we're walking in sin and guilt. Like if my dog gets in the trash can and I walk in the house, I know it immediately right? Because he's just ears down. Like he feels so guilty. He feels so good. Like we walk in and we're like, Charlie, what did you do? And he just, he hides, right? Because Katie's going to beat him after protecting him. I'm just kidding. She doesn't do that. Don't get PETA. She's not going to do that. I'm just kidding. But I remember even as a kid, like the first time, I remember the first time I did something that I knew that I knew that I knew was really bad. And I remember just, mm, just feeling this shame and this guilt. And my dad, my dad noticed it. He didn't know what I did. I was hiding it. And, and he came to me. He's like, Mike, are you okay? He's like, you just, the last couple of days, you just seem different. You don't seem happy. You don't, you seem like something's wrong. And it's because it was. And when I talked to him about it, you know what happened? If you're walking in sin and guilt, it's going to suck the joy out of you. 
because you know what you're doing is wrong and you feel guilty about it. So you need to go to Jesus. You need to get forgiveness. You need to, and guess what? You go to him and get healing and forgiveness. He's going to say, I love you. I forgive you. Let's fix this. Our God is not a God that we have to hide from. We go to him in transparency. Guess what? He knows already. He knows already. Talk to him, find healing, find forgiveness. And the the fourth place I see that sucks the joy out of us is when we get isolated. When we get isolated. See, when we we get alone, we get lonely. We, We get joyless. We need people to walk through life with, to laugh with, to have a good time with, to be encouraged by. We also need people to suffer with. You know that? You need people to suffer with who, when you're tempted to lose joy, when you're tempted to, to forget God's goodness, you're tempted to forget who God is, people who will remind you and help you and encourage you. And I put this one in here, not just because it's true, but because we're also starting community groups today. Shameless plug. Join a group. That's where you'll find some awesome people to help you walk through life. There's actually this crazy story in Acts that illustrates this really well. There's these guys, Paul and Silas, and they're traveling around and, and they're being used by God and they're planting churches and they're, they're seeing the sick get healed and they're telling people about Jesus and, and people are getting saved. And then at one point in the story, this demon-possessed girl starts following them around which would be crazy in his own right, you know? And she's like just shouting out and yelling and distracting them and doing all these things. And the Bible basically says Paul gets annoyed by her, which you would think like demon-possessed girl, you would feel more than just annoyance, but that's where Paul's at. So he gets annoyed by her and it says that he cast out the demon. He cast out the demon. And the town you think would be excited about this, but it says that the town gets upset because she was a slave and her owners were using the demon possession to make money off of her. How twisted is that, man? How twisted is that? And so they get upset because demons gone. They can't do that anymore. And the Bible says that a mob gathers, beats them almost to death, and then throws them in jail. That seems like a little bit of an overreaction to me, (laughs) but that's what they do. But they made one big mistake in this because they put Paul and Silas in jail together. You ever heard the, the, I guess the, proverb, whatever, it's like a good friend will be there to bail you out of jail, but a best friend sitting in jail with you going, that was awesome. Not that I want you to go to jail, but it's good to have somebody to walk through stuff with, right? And that's what Paul and Silas were together. They were walking through this together. And so instead of getting down and depressed, instead of licking their wounds, which maybe they did for a while, but the Bible says they start praying and singing and worshiping God together. And this crazy thing happens. God shows up. The, the Bible teaches us that God inhabits the praise of his people. And I don't know what all that means because I'm not that smart, but I understand that when we worship God, that means God's in the midst of it. And so that's one reason I really like Sundays because we get together and we worship and we praise God. And I feel like he shows up in that. I feel like he shows up in that. And so, so here it is that they start worshiping and singing and praising God. And Acts 16, 25 and 26 says this, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a violent earthquake and the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened. I love this part. And everyone's chains came loose. You worship Jesus, man, some chains might come loose. By the way, the jailer in this situation and his whole family end up becoming Christians. And I thought that was really interesting to me as a side note, because sometimes we're in the midst of a season of life that we don't like, and, and we're so focused on ourselves that we don't realize that God is doing something bigger than just about us. 
And so it's important that we keep our heads up. It's important that we have peace. It's important that we stay of good cheer, that we have joy and believe that Jesus really has overcome the world and trust that he's at work. Because maybe if we do that, if we stay focused on the bigger picture, if we remind ourselves that joy is not circumstance-based, but our confidence in God is strong, then maybe, just maybe, we'll see him working in the situation. And it's not about us, but maybe it's for the jailer. And maybe it's even for the person who's causing us the pain. And we get to see God work in that. And I guarantee you, I'm... My opinion is that Paul and Silas would trade getting beaten and thrown in jail every day of the week for an entire family getting saved. Some God, sometimes God uses our suffering to do some pretty amazing things. So even in your suffering, don't lose joy because God's at work. God's at work. And I, you know, I bet maybe at first when they sat in that jail cell, they were frustrated. Maybe they were hurt. Maybe they were upset. Maybe Paul didn't want to worship. But Silas said, come on, Paul, let's worship. Let's praise Jesus. Let's, let's, let's. Let's worship him together. And I bet as they sang and they worshiped, I bet the smile began to come over their face. And it reminded me of Psalm 100 says, Shout triumphantly to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that Yahweh is God. He made us and we are his. His people, the sheep of his pasture, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts praise and give thanks to him and praise his name for Yahweh is good. His love is eternal. His faithfulness endures through all generations. Do we believe that this morning? And we can have joy in every circumstance because he is good. His love is eternal. He is faithful through all circumstances. And that means we get to smile. There's too many times, man, Christians are just cranky people, right? Like you're talking to Christians, they're like, I'm just, just so blessed. God's just so good to me. I'm like, well, tell it to your face, man. <laughs> right? Like, like, when you have joy, it expresses itself through your life, right? Like, like we're taught this as kids, right? If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. There you go. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. That was pretty good. Pretty good. So how do we get our joy back? Some of y'all were afraid to clap. You're like, they're going to hear me. Like, y'all, your hands didn't actually get together. So how do we get joy back? If we, if we want to walk in this and say, man, I'm like, I'm, I'm a little off on this. I want to, I want to find this. I want to live in this. I want, I want, the first thing I would say to you is you got to admit that you've lost it. We got to realize that, man, I, I'm not living as a joyful Christian. I'm not, I, this joy, this, this deep, this deep thing that you're talking about, Mike, I don't have that. Cause if like I get a parking ticket, I lose it for days. How, how do we get this back? How do we, how do we live in this? Number one, admit that you've lost it. Ask God to restore it. Talk to him. You could maybe today talk to him, say, God, restore this in me. Secondly, I would say maybe we need to get a realignment, get a realignment. And, and uh, I told you guys last week, I've been having some back issues. And one of the things that yeah, I'm moving pretty good for back issues, but I, I went and one thing I had to do is I went to a chiropractor and also a Rosti. Thank you, Ashley Ragsdale, if she's in here. Um, but the chiropractor told me, he's like, man, your hips, your back is jacked up. We got to get you a realignment so we can get everything back lined up like it's supposed to be. What, what do I mean by that? Well, some of our Christian lives are out of alignment because we're basing our joy on our circumstances. 
We're basing our lives on something other than the thing that should be the foundation of our lives, which is Jesus. And so something happens that we don't like, or our circumstances change, or our joy becomes event-based. And so one of those things go like we don't want it to go, and we get all out of whack because we're already all out of whack. Really, that's just a symptom of what's already wrong with us. And so what we have to do is get Jesus back in the center, the focal point, the foundation of our lives, and let our joy and peace be based on God. And let me say this, if we don't get this part right, none of the rest matters. So like if you're here and you're like, I'm not going to do that. Well, you can just stop listening to me right now because none of the rest matters. It all has to be aligned around the center, which is Jesus Number three, how do we get this joy back? we got to spend some time with God. How many of you guys were expecting that cheesy church answer? But it's the truth. we got to learn from Paul and Silas. When did God show up? When they were worshiping, when they were praying, when they started worshiping God and praising God in the midst of their circumstance, God showed up and an earthquake happened. And here's one thing I would say. If you're going to worship God, if we're going to say, God, I'm going to spend some time with you. I'm going to worship you. Give it your all. Like, There's people, I've heard of people who work out early in the mornings. I've never actually seen this, but I've heard that there are people who like go to the gym in the morning and they like get up and early, put the, their workout clothes on, get in the car. They drive 15, 20 minutes to the gym and they get in there and they work out with their personal trainer and the personal trainer says, do a burpee. And they go, some of y'all don't know what a burpee is. That was not a burpee. They're like, do some, like do some curls. And they're like, where's those two pound weights? No. Right? You got up early, you hit the alarm clock, you got on your workout clothes, you got to the gym, the trainer says, do a burpee, you're gonna do a burpee. The trainer says, lift those weights, you said, what's the heaviest I can get? Right? Why? Because you showed up, you did, you already did all these things, you prepared yourself, you got ready, you got to the gym, and now you're here to take care of your body. Right? Yeah. Sometimes we get so used to just going to church or reading the, our Bibles in the mornings or just we just get kind of in the motions that we like show up, we're walking in. None of you guys, but other people I've seen. We walk in and we're like, my coffee. Like you got up early, you got in the car, you drove here, you made all the effort to get here. You're like, my coffee, all right. We sit down and the, sit down and I'm like, all right, band, what you got for me? Go. Preacher, make me laugh. Dance, monkey. And then I give, all, give you all these wonderful tools, right? Just kidding. Well, hopefully they're all good tools. And then we go, all right, cool. But during the praise and worship time, it's like, again, none of you people, I, I stand here, I don't know. My back's to you, right? Here's what I'm saying. If we do all the effort to get here, just like in the gym, if we do all these things to get here where we have the opportunity to get in the presence of the Lord, we can worship him with all our hearts, we can hear from him, then let's give it everything we've got. Let's, let's worship him with a loud voice. Let's clap every once in a while. Are you happy you know it? Clap your hands. <laughs> You're getting better, right? Let, let's take notes. Let's take the things we talk about, apply it to our life. Let's get in the presence of the Lord and worship the creator of the universe and see what might just happen. Let's give it everything we've got and see if some joy might return to our hearts. And it's not just in here. I was, I was having a conversation with Katie, my wife, this week about how running is becoming a spiritual thing for her. She'll go out and run, and she's just like, I just experience God. I just, I get in the presence of the Lord. Some of you are like, I experience the devil when I run, right? But, <laughs> but she's like, man, I just get out there, and I just go, and my mind just wanders, and God just, just speaks to me. Like, then do that. Run. Go. Go, right? But whatever you're going to do, if you're going to get in the presence of the Lord, then get there and give it your all and see what he might just do.
See if you find some peace. See if you find some joy. Man, get, get in the presence of the Lord. You might be singing happy and you know it all day long. And the fourth thing I would say that we can do to add a little joy in our lives is some of us need a relational revolution. That means there's some people you need to get away from. There's some people you need to add into your life. Again, Paul and Silas, they walked through the trial together. They walked through the crazy circumstance together. And I believe they kept each other focused on the goal. And when Paul's going, I don't want to sing, Silas. Silas is going, Paul, you're going to sing. You're going to worship Jesus with me. Get your heart right, Paul. We need people like that in our lives. And again, I'm plugging it. Community groups start today. Find you one. Get involved. Get plugged in. Get around people that will maybe add a little joy to your life. Add a little encouragement to your life. For so many of us, the joy has been sucked out of our lives. (laughs) And I'm telling you, as a Christian, it's not supposed to be that way. I'm not saying that, again, everything always goes right, but it's not supposed to be that way where you just live. We live this joyless life. Our, Our joy is supposed to have this deep foundation because we have a God who's overcome the world. We have a Savior who's overcome the world. And so our confidence and foundation in Him allows us to have joy in all circles. And again, not the fake joy. I'm doing great, right? Not that, but a deep abiding confidence and joy that we can, we have something different than everybody else. We have Jesus. And He's overcome the world, which means He has overcome all things for us. And so our joy is a deeper confidence in our God than in the events of our lives. Our joy is a joy that says, I'm not captive to the situation. I believe in his sovereignty. I believe in his word. And so this morning, we're going to worship God. And I want to encourage you. Let, let's get, give it our all and let's, let's get our joy back, man. Because I believe there's a lot of us in here who are walking without that, who are walking in pain, who are walking in suffering. It doesn't have to be that way. Let's pray. God, I love you. Thank you for who you are, Jesus. Thank you that you tell us that we can have joy in all circumstances. God, thank you that you're a God who returns joy to us. God, you are faithful and you are good. You're bigger than circumstances. You're bigger than events, God. Jesus, this morning, we want to worship you, God. And I I pray for anyone in this space, God, for anyone in the space who's just going, man, I just don't have it right now. I just don't have that joy. I just, I don't, I don't, it's not there for me, Mike. For anybody in the space that would say that, I pray that you would, just a prayer over them, God, that you would return joy into their lives, that you would give them back the joy of their salvation, Jesus. As they align their lives around you, you would return the joy of their salvation. As they surround themselves with people who would lead them to you, that you would return the joy of their salvation, Jesus. As they worship you in spirit and in truth, as they go before your presence, that you would show up in a mighty and powerful and just thick way in their lives, that they would experience you and they would go, I'm different. Jesus has changed me my prayer that we would be a joyful church, that this would be a place of good cheer, a place of peace. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.